Welcome to Superintendent Radio Network. I'm Guy Cipriano. We're continuing our Tartan Talk series by having a conversation with Todd Quitno. Todd is the Senior Vice President of Design, the Illinois-based Loman Quitno Golf Course Architects. Todd is one of the most positive people in the golf business. We thought that Todd would be a perfect guest to bring on during the summer to add a little bit of an upbeat tone to what has been a difficult growing season and construction season in a lot of parts of the the country. But before we get going with Todd, we'd like to thank Better Billy Bunker for supporting this podcast. Better Billy Bunker is not only a giant supporter of the American Society of Golf Course Architects, Better Billy Bunker supports a number of industry efforts, including the work of golf course superintendents. So we're glad to have them on board, and we're glad that Todd was able to take some time to join us. Well, Todd, congratulations on the promotion and the new title. But the first thing I want to ask you is you're pretty relaxed and loose in our conversations. Do you take that attitude onto the job site? And if you do, what are some tactics you use to alleviate some of the stress with a design project? Yeah, I think that my kind of approach to golf architecture and really life is to not take things too terribly seriously. Friends always laugh. They're, they're like, you have one of the greatest jobs ever. And, and it's, you know, we're not doing brain science here, although I tell my, my family that I'm saving the world one golf course at a time uh, to make myself feel a little more uh, relevant. But I think with golf projects and and having a, a relaxed atmosphere with a project, it, it kind of starts with, I, I love what I do, and I think that translates with people a little bit, and, and I try to bring the enthusiasm to the work that I do, um, sometimes through humor, but generally just having a loose approach to things. You know, I have found probably in the last, I don't know, five, ten years that I really enjoy the relationship building in the industry, and I say it's kind of developed as late, you know, kind of reaching middle age. I think some maturity level, some confidence in what I do is translated to that. But, you know, when I was a young architect, I sort of felt like every job I went on, I was supposed to know more than the people I was working with. Um, and, I, and I found that that's not true. And I, and I really enjoy the collaboration of the projects we work on and, and establishing a rapport with the client and building on that. And, and you really get a lot out of that relationship. Um, and I think that relaxes the atmosphere of the project. And so that's really kind of my approach to jobs. Um, try to keep them loose and fun and, and collaborative. That's awesome that you love what you do. I don't think many people in life can say that about their work. Where does that love stem from, Todd? Boy, that's a great question. I mean, I, I, I've been in the golf. I've been in love with golf since I was a young kid. I started probably nine or 10 years old and and just been around golf courses all my life. Um, I, I think I, I really love the, the problem-solving aspect of golf course architecture. The, every job that we do has a different problem that you got to figure out. And trying to work through that, work through the spatial relationships um, of golf design, um, I think that really, and, and then my, just my appreciation for the game, I have young kids that I'm introducing to the game right now. So all of that just sort of makes, you know, if you can do what you love, it's probably the best thing you can, you can have going for you in life. So um, it's my passion. It's my hobby. And I think that all just sort of makes work fun and, and easy. What is it like being somebody in the golf business, introducing children of your own to the game 
what are some pros and cons of working in the golf business when you're trying to bring it into the house? So I've got an 11-year-old and a 9-year-old boy who are both really interested in the game. And what I have actually found is that, at least where I live, we don't have good affordable access to facilities that really cater to them, where it's easy to go out, you're, you feel welcome, you feel invited, and you can get around and teach them how to play the game and learn the game. There's just We don't have those facilities, and, I, and so I think that's been a big focus um, of our firm over the last five or ten years, but it's really honestly coming to light for me right now in trying to find a facility that we can go to. Um, we've actually kind of committed, my boys and I, to playing golf um, one day a week, minimum, all summer this this year. And, and I'll be honest, I've been trouble having trouble finding facilities to do that. So I think my being in the industry, um, I'm kind of looking for that perfect facility where we feel welcome and, and it's easy for them to get around, and I enjoy it myself. If you had a chance to design that perfect facility for fathers and children in situations like your own family, what would it look like? Very good question. Well, I'll tell you, I, I can kind of work backwards. In some of the facilities we play at, there's an interesting little 18-hole par 3 course out near us. And um, what I find is that those, the par 3 courses that have been built around here, and that one in particular, lacks a little bit in variety. And it, it also goes all the way out nine holes and all the way back nine holes, which is too much golf for my kids. They, they kind of wear themselves out. Um, and so I would limit that facility to probably nine holes, maybe 12. Um, and I would also provide a lot more variety. I think that particular golf course I'm speaking of, you know, every hole is maybe 70 to 100 yards. And for me personally, I get a little bit bored with it. So I would, I think the ideal facility would be somewhere that I would enjoy playing that has some length, has some shorties, um, but that the kids can handle. And it would maybe have a par four snuck in there, uh, maybe a short par five for them. Um, but something with a lot more variety. And I think that's what's lacking a little bit in some of the short courses uh, that are available around here and, and even some of the ones that, um, you know, we've been involved in in the past. Did you think about these things before you became a father and had children of your own? I like to think I I thought of those, but, you know, you, you really, I think with golf architecture, a lot of it, you got to experience it first to truly understand it. Um, you know, I, I would say that we, I knew it through my training with Bob and, and all the work we've done over the last 20 years. I, I, I knew that variety was important, but to really understand how important that is um, and what a good, what makes a good facility, you got to be out there seeing what makes a bad facility. And, you know, understanding what the limitations are of the places you go and, and understanding the user experience a little bit more. And I don't think you can get that by simply sitting over a drawing table or designing, you know, um, even designing the field. It's something you've got to go and play and experience. And that's, that's what I've really enjoyed the last couple of years with the boys. You mentioned Bob. Bob is Bob Lohman, who I believe you've spent your entire career or most of your career working with, right, right Todd? Yeah, I, I interned with Bob when I was in college in 1995, and I took a job the next year, and I've been there 22 years now. What have you learned from him over the course of the last two-plus decades? Oh, wow. I mean, I, I basically owe you know everything I know 
about the business of golf architecture to him. Um, it's interesting. We've gone through a lot of transitions. And when I started there, I was one of four architects that worked for Bob. And I was, um, I was really lucky because Bob brought me in and put me into a, immediately into a project architect phase. You know, I, I actually got to manage a job almost right out the door. And with Bob's company, he's diversified quite a bit. Um, over the years, he has a construction firm, um, so I've been had direct access to the construction industry, and I've been able to take jobs from beginning to end with him, and that to me has been one of the greatest things, um, just kind of, he threw my feet, let me throw my, kind of threw me into the fire, if you will, and let me stumble a little bit and was there to help me out. That's, that's been huge, and I really just, in general, I enjoy working with Bob. We, we collaborate well together. We're good friends. We enjoy... Uh, playing golf together, and, and I think that part of the relationship has been great as well and uh, really appreciative of all, everything he's done for me. You two are now business partners. You were elevated recently to senior vice president of design, and now your name's on the firm alongside Bob's. What does that mean to you to be in this situation now? First of all, it's an honor. Um, Bob has built uh, Loman Golf Designs up from you know from nothing he started in his basement and he he built a really successful business and i know he's extremely proud of that worked hard to create the design firm and his entire group of companies and so i think for him to ask me to be a partner um to put my name up on the door with his this kind of shows his trust in me that uh, i'll carry on that tradition he started and so i I'm really grateful for that. Uh, I also, for me personally, it's kind of a validation of my, the hard work I've put into my career. Um, you know, I've always had an ambition to have my own firm, and, and I suppose that someday I will. But for right now, I really like this next step because, as I mentioned before, I, I like to work with Bob. He's been a friend and a mentor, and, and I want to continue that relationship. So, yeah, it's just been an honor, to, uh, and, I, and I hope I can lead the firm as well as he did. Todd, what's different about your firm? What are some things that maybe you do a little bit differently than some other golf course architects? I thought a lot about this question, honestly. It's, this is kind of like, what is your elevator speech? What differentiates you from others? And it, it's tough to pinpoint. You know, I think we do a lot of things that other architects are doing. Our projects are very renovation-based. One thing that we've in- integrated into our work that Bob's been behind is, is technology. We have a, a GPS units that we have access to. We have drone technology. We've been getting into social media a lot more lately, and I think that's a, a big step uh, for Bob, for sure, but for me it's uh, as well. And I don't think that everybody's doing that. I, don't, I, you know, I think social media is such a powerful tool, and we're still learning how to use it, but I don't, I don't see a lot of our fellow architects doing that. Um, what I think is unique about Loman Quitno is that I come from a different perspective than Bob does. You know, he's a kind of your traditional uh, private country club golfer, and he understands the private golf golf industry a lot more than I do. I'm more of a, although I, I played on a private club, it was really a glorified unit, municipal course, uh, the one in Rochelle, but I kind of come from a more of a public aspect 
um, and I'm raising young kids right now and trying to introduce them to the industry. And so I think what's unique about us is we bring those two different perspectives to our work, and I think um, we're able to understand where some of our clients are coming from uh, a little bit better because we're involved in the industry exactly how they are, and we, we kind of play the game, we enjoy the game, and I, I think that differentiates us from some of our competitors. Now, I was lucky enough to sit next to you on a bus in Houston during the ASGCA meetings, and you did kind of discuss with me your beginnings in the game, and you just mentioned Rochelle Country Club. Explain that golf course for people that haven't heard of it, and how has that influenced your career and what you do now? So Rochelle Country Club, which is actually, I believe, called Fairways Golf Course right now. Um, I, well, first of all, Rochelle is a small town in north-central Illinois where I grew up, about 9,000 people, and we had an 18-hole facility. And that particular facility has been in kind of in my family blood forever. My, my mom grew up right adjacent to the course on the sixth hole, and her dad, Elmer Hooley, was a superintendent at Rochelle in the 50s and 60s, and I, I found out somewhat recently that the original nine there was designed by Perry Maxwell, and you know, I had no idea any of that growing up there. But and my, I think my grandfather had a, a hand in um, adding the, the second nine holes uh, to Maxwell's design. But it, so it's been in the family a long time. I, we became members when I was, I think, ten or so, and and I spent my entire summers there. Um, it's where I learned to play the game, really. Uh, I, I worked on the maintenance staff. I worked in the pro shop, so I got kind of an introduction to that. But what was so great about Rochelle is that I was able to literally, like, I drive my bike a couple of miles to the golf course, park it at my grandma's, jump on the sixth hole, play 18 holes, and be back home in two and a half hours. And looking back on that now and just what we were discussing earlier, having that access to affordable golf, um, that's easy to get to and welcoming, I mean, that was huge. And, and that's really become my focus is how do we provide that, you know, in, in our communities today. Um, interestingly, I'm, I'm back at Rochelle doing a pro bono master plan. I just, I've always wanted to kind of do some things at that place. It, it's, it's become a, pri- a public golf course now. The city and the park district co-own it. And uh, it needs a little help. <laughs> A um, little long in the tooth, uh, a lot of tree overgrowth and things like that. So I don't know what we're going to be able to do there, but uh, I'm looking forward to trying to help them kind of revive the place and give it a little kick in the pants and, and hopefully sustain it for a long time because it's, it's a fun little facility. How do you think working a variety of different go- golf course jobs as a child has helped you now as your career has advanced? I, I think that um, understanding maintenance um, – has been huge for me. Just knowing what it takes to maintain a facility and keep it in top condition, how to rake a bunker, you know, what what it requires to turn um, equipment around at the edges of bunkers when you're mowing greens, things like that. And then, in the, the you know, my pro shop experience, I'm a big proponent these days of, of the user experience and the service. And I think that's where a lot of clubs are lacking. You know, you, you that in that golf course I'm talking about, a Rochelle. One of the things we're looking at is it, it kind of the clubhouse and the other facilities sort of turn it back to you, and as you approach the property. And so we're trying to look at how can we make it more welcoming. And I think understanding that, understanding what 
what it takes to be a good operator of a pro shop to be welcoming to people is, is big. And I, I kind of learned that as I went along. It's interesting that the golf pro that worked there when I worked there was the one who actually encouraged me to go uh, to Ball State University and study architecture. And, and so he's really the one who pushed me into this career, if you want to know the truth. So I'm not sure if I answered your question exactly right, but that's a lot of what I've gotten out of that, that golf course and, and working there. I think that's helped me a lot. You graduated Ball State in 1996. The industry was prospering then. And then about a decade later, things got tough. How did the beginning of your career compare to the to what is now the, the middle of it? Explain some of the differences and the, the eras that you've worked in in your 20-plus years in the business. When I was an intern in 1995 that summer, I know we were building three brand-new golf courses. Uh, Bob's firm was building those. Um, and so things were booming. And like I said before, there were four architects, and we were all busy at the time. And we probably spent the later part of the 90s and early 2000s doing a, a lot, you know, yeah, maybe 50% new courses, 50% renovation. I, the writing kind of was on the wall for me in about 2004, 2005, and that's when we built Blackstone Golf Club, which is right next to our office. And it was my last, you know, uh, solo new course design. And in 04, it's kind of interesting, the housing market was so booming that the, the owner there, Dan Weck, sold the 95 lots of, that are on the golf course in, a, in about two months. It was crazy. And, and it financed the golf course. And then by the time we built the course and were ready to open it, that in about 06, that market had gone, had started to sour. And I think that's kind of where the turning point for us was. I, I kind of had a sense then that we were going to probably not do too many new golf courses in the future. But what was good is that Bob had always been a renovation guy. We had done a ton of renovation work up to that point. And so we were kind of prepared to to kind of go solely into renovation and restoration, that kind of work. So I think what's changed now more than anything is technology has allowed us to be efficient with fewer people. So it's just myself and Bob, and then we have one guy who kind of helps us with tech, our tech work. But um, I think we can do the same work that four or five architects did uh, today with one guy on a computer, you know, producing the, the, the plan work I'm talking about. So I think that's changed a lot. Um, we're a lot more hands-on now. We're, we, I like to be out on the golf course and visit a lot more often. Where it seemed like back then we were just we were kind of churning out work more than anything. I think everybody gets in, into the golf course architecture business and wants to design new golf courses and have their name on it. That hasn't been a reality of architects in your era. How did you handle the emotions of the changing industry? Was that tough for you personally to realize that there wouldn't be many new course opportunities mo moving forward? Yeah, I think it was tough. I, I don't know that I dwelled on it much, but I do know that I think Blackstone, the one I was referring to, I I was just starting to get a good feel. It was probably my, I think I've done a half dozen new golf courses, and it was I was starting to get a, felt like I was getting a good feel for it. And we produced a product there that gets, that, that everybody really likes. And, I, you know, it was kind of like we're getting into a groove with this thing. I'm starting to understand it. And then, boom, we don't get to do those projects anymore. So that was disheartening, no question about it. But at the same time, I'm a, I really like to do renovation work. I think it's 
more difficult personally than new golf course work because there are so many other so many additional facets to it you got to meld with what's there you got a, an established clientele usually an established membership or established public with opinions on what you're doing and so i find the challenge of renovation equally as rewarding as new golf course design so i don't know that i was like depressed about the fact that we're not building new courses i would love to do it again don't get me wrong but i get a lot of um joy out of you know working with uh, with clients on renovation and, and again going back to that whole problem solving thing i think there's there's a lot of reward in what we do so i think i've handled it okay <laughs> golf course architects have to have a lot of skills and there's a big difference between designing a golf course and being a project manager how much of your job now is designed and how much of it is managing projects boy i think i think there's probably more management than there is on a on a day-to-day basis than there is design it's gotten tricky there's so many environmental regulations there's so many permitting things you have to go through you got to you got to do, you know, timing for renovation is so different because you're you're closing the golf course, so you got to under you got to be able to manage when the project starts, when it ends, when you can get it back open, what the impact of that is on the facility. So there's just a lot more irons in the fire with golf, and, and it, it is managing all of that. And I think if you are able to manage that well, and, and I think the design it's not secondary. But it, it, to me, I don't want to say it's the easy part, but it's the, it, it's a, it, it is a little bit the easy part. It's, it's the fun part, putting the, that on paper and then going out and realizing it in the field. But I think the implementation and the management of that is at least probably more than 50% of the work now, probably 60 70% of the work, uh, because it's, it's just become a, a lot more complicated to put things in the ground. You do a lot of your work in the... Midwest, where there are four distinct seasons, what is the summer like for somebody in your position, and what are some things you do to get ready for that construction season, which is usually fall in the winter in your part of the world? Yeah, actually, our construction season, it's it changed. I, I know when I started, you know, we really pushed, well, with new golf course work, there was always sort of the April to October time frame. Um, and then when we got into a lot of renovation, it, it was fall work. But these days, it seems like the season has gone back to that April to December almost uh, time frame. We're, we're starting a lot of projects straight out of the spring where that was sort of taboo in the past. And I think that's just, um, you know, people are looking for the most efficient time to do renovation work where it's not impact where it's making the least impact on their on their golf schedule um but i guess to prepare for all of that you know our summers are I, I, right now i have two projects one in schaumburg that's going one in minnesota that's going we have a full fall schedule and to be prepared for all of that we try to encourage our um, clientele to get your planning work done a year before, whether it starts in the summer and, and gets completed in the fall. And then we try to get out to bid with our projects over the winter. So January, February is a big bidding month for us. And that's when our contractors are putting together a lot of their schedules and they have availability. 
And so we really focus on the winter months to try to get those projects organized, get them bid, and get them ready to go full bore. And, and we're usually now doing construction anywhere from April 15th through the end of November. Todd, are these projects ones that you do while the course remains open, or are you finding clients that just want to shut the course down and get the work done all at once? More often than not, the work that we're doing, the courses remain open. Um, we have had a few projects that have shut down that hasn't been as prevalent lately. The Schaumburg project is unique. They have 27 holes there, and we have the luxury there of closing nine holes at a time and leaving 18 open, and that's been awesome. Um, you know, there is no more efficient way to do work than to have access to everything, and so having access there to nine holes is great, but that, that's a pretty unique situation. There aren't too many 27-hole facilities. And so we're finding, and you know, a lot of our work is bunker renovation, um, uh, it's, uh, you know, tees, things like that. And so we're working around the golfers a lot of the time, trying to, you know, use temporary tees or greens where we have to and limit that as much as possible, but try to work with those types of projects on the shoulder season. So we're, we're impacting at least, you know, amount of the golf operation as possible. But it's still a blend, seen both ways. Uh, if, they, if a course has the luxury of closing down, to me it's the best way to spend your money. But then you got to account for the, the lost revenue. So it's all sort of a balancing act, and it varies from course to course. For those that aren't familiar, Schaumburg is in suburban Chicago. Chicago is one of the largest golf markets in the United States. In fact, it's got more public golf than anywhere in the United States. What are some things a golf course architect like yourself can do to help a facility of any level, whether it's public, private, or municipal, may remain viable in a huge market like Chicago? I look at it through a consumer's eye. So I love to play golf, and I play in the public realm. So mm -hmm. what attracts me personally to a, a facility and I'll go back to what I said earlier, is, is, is this user experience idea. Um, I like courses that are, first of all, easy to access. And that means, you know, I can find a tee time relatively easily. Um, but as importantly as that, it's, it's, and it's affordable, right? And, I, and pace of play, I think, is extremely important. And so from a, a golf course aspect, understanding the problem points and trying to fix issues that cause pace of play, whether it's difficulty, whether it's a goofy arrangement, I think that's one thing. But the other thing is, how are you treating the customer? You know, as I pull into a place, do I feel welcome? Do I, is it easy to navigate through the clubhouse, through the parking lot? Do I know where I'm going? Is it inviting? Do I want to stay after the thing, after the, the round? And so I think the, the courses that are under, trying to, starting to understand that, that the user experience is not just during the 18 holes, it's when they arrive and it goes all the way through to when they stay after their round and leave. I think those are the facilities that draw my attention, and I think they're the ones that are the most successful. And so I think part of that as well is, is, is providing great conditioning on the golf course, and that's part of our work. You know, how do we allow the superintendent to be the most efficient, not necessarily make it easy, but make it efficient to maintain, and how do we give them that opportunity to give a good product and i think that's what people appreciate and that's what kind of leads around here what can a golf course architect and a golf course superintendent do to improve pace of play or are a lot of those issues 
outside the hands of the people that design and maintain golf courses? Well, you know, I think there's a lot of courses that get that are have been overdone, um, and I think I feel like the industry in general is moving towards a, a more simplistic, not simple, but I call it like a simple elegance. Developing golf courses that have some interest, but that are but are easier to get around for the guy who's not a single digit handicap, and it's not overwhelming people with sand bunkers. Um, but understanding, you know, the, the opening up of greens, the ability for people to kind of run the ball onto the onto the greens, um, and and I think that that's the architectural part of it, you know, with still having some interest for the better players. But I think from a, a maintenance standpoint, a lot of it is trees. You know, the removal of trees. The golf in Chicago is is all tree lined, you know, and that is tough. And it's tough to grow good grass, and it's tough to um, for the for the higher handicapped golfers to get to navigate when they hit the ball offline, and so I think there's some of those that low hanging fruit that can be tackled by a maintenance staff to just open up play corridors um, and and move golf along. And I think I think all of that kind of those little things add, add up um, to a good experience for the golfer and certainly improve pace of play. Todd, you're still a relatively young person in the golf business, and it sounds like you want to be in the golf business for a, a long time, another two-plus decades. Where do you see it headed in 20 years? Have, do you see it changing rapidly, or do you see it to be a, a gradual change? I think it's going to be fairly gradual change. I think what we're seeing now in the industry is going to continue for a while. You know, I think for some facilities, there's still kind of a going to be a come to Jesus moment. Um, there's a lot of facilities in that middle market, especially around here, that are struggling, and they're right on the edge of of, of success or or failure. And and I think some of them are going to have to decide: Are we going to be in this industry for the long term? And once they do, and we're seeing that, like Schaumburg's a good example, where they've said, hey, we want to be in this industry and serve our community for the next 50 years. We need to make some investments in our infrastructure um, and reinvent ourselves a little bit to, to offer that real value to the customer. And I, and I feel like that's going to continue to happen. I think we're going to see some more closures. You know, we're still looking at a couple of projects where courses are closing down or they're downsizing. Um, and I think that's still going to occur. Um, I love the idea of multiple use. I, I know Andy Staples, the fellow ASGCA, has a, a really cool community golf model that he's been promoting for a while, and I think that that is a really neat idea, um, bringing the community into the golf course and showing its value and giving it value beyond just the golf user um, and, and reaching out to the non-golf user. So I see, I, I see a lot of that kind of work happening and um I, I i'm really kind of excited about the next 20 years i think it'll continue to kind of boom in the renovation market and uh no i'm, I'm excited to keep going all right this is a project specific question you've been on a lot of them well over 100 what project has produced the most laughs and why is there anyone where you were just kind of howling every day you visited that site or every day you were on the job gosh um, I wish my memory was good enough to remember <laughs> the specifics like that. I, I don't necessarily think have one that comes to 
I, I have one project right now that I, I really, really enjoy. And it's actually, I'm working at Rye Golf Club out in New York. And it's, it's random even, to be honest, that I'm there. It's, a, it's in the middle of Westchester County. It's a couple miles from Wingsfoot and Quaker Ridge and all those, the mecca of golf. And, and I kind of happened onto this job a few years ago through a, a, con, a contractor who they needed some help doing some study of their greens. And I, I went to the facility, and, and I just ended up with a, striking it. Uh, a great relationship with the superintendent, Jim Blafferty, there. And, and Jim Buonito is the, the GM. And and I just have just such a fun time with those guys. And it's not so much about the golf project. It's they We have very similar sort of goofy personalities. Um, you know, we talk about crazy, you know, movies and shows that we like to watch and, and have a lot of fun when we're there. And, and I think, to be honest, that, our, the product that we produce there, and, and we, we collaborate really well, um, the product we produce there sort of reflects that. We've done some really nice um, small projects out there. But I, I don't know if it's like howling last, but it's just a good time, and I enjoy going out there every time I get the chance. And, and, I, and that, that's what comes to mind to me of a fun working atmosphere and, and something that keeps me going. Ever find something crazy below the ground on a site? Oh. I haven't been as fortunate uh, to find <laughs> <laughs> some of those things. You know, you, I've been around contractors that have found some neat stuff. Um, again, I can't come up with anything off the top of my head, but uh, I'm still looking for that rare artifact uh, that gets bulldozed up that, you know, turns me into a millionaire, but haven't found that yet. Well, you got plenty of time in the business. Uh, we kind of talked about this at the beginning when you're – uh, discussing your own kids and what type of facility would fit a family. But is there any project you haven't worked on that you're itching to try? Any concept that you would just love to find a client willing to do? Yeah, to be honest, I I would love to do a a, a restoration, a real true restoration project. Um, and we've we've dabbled in that a little bit, and, and even like um, Schomburg is an old William Langford course, and a lot of the Langford was gone uh, when we started, but we're pulling, we're bringing back a little bit of that. Uh, they didn't want to go full floor rest, full bore restoration there. We're bringing some back, back some of his principles, but I would like to, to get my hands on a good restoration. It, it could happen at Rye. It's actually a Devereaux Emmett golf course, and we're actually, we just contracted to do a master plan with them Kind of after the fact, we've done a few projects, and now we're going to do a master plan. But one of the things we're going to do is do some historic research on how the, the Dev Emmett routing has changed, if it has. A lot of it's very much intact. There's a lot of good aerial uh, imagery from back in the 20s through now, and we're going to study that and see what's worth restoring. And so that that is really what I've been itching to do. You know, it's a hot topic item in the industry, the, the the big architects are doing it and getting a lot of notoriety for it, and their projects are amazing. So that's what I'm mentioning to do. I'm, I'm hoping this maybe will happen with uh, the project out east. You're a very positive and optimistic person. How has that helped you in your career? I think it just uh, – good question. It just keeps me going. I, I, I have a lot of faith in people, and 
I think that when you get, you know, when you work in this industry, you, you can run into some projects where you get a little bit of a negative uh, vibe, maybe from a membership, maybe from clientele. And I think to keep you going, you got to kind of understand that what we're doing here with golf architecture, it's, it's not, like I said earlier, it's not rocket science. Um, it's not brain surgery. And it's just fun. And um, I just enjoy people. And I enjoy uh, I enjoy working outside in the field, and I enjoy the variety of the work we do. And I, I don't know. I, I, I guess it's just kind of in my attitude is uh, let's uh, let's try some things. You know, let's be a little creative, a little a little different in what in the, in our approaches. And I think that the optimism that if we really put some, our effort forward and and try this thing and and have some sound planning and thought behind it, it's going to work. And that's just sort of my attitude um, in general about things. So, Well, Todd, it, it was awesome catching up with you. It was, um, as expected, an exciting and energetic conversation. Con- congratulations on everything you've accomplished, and congratulations on the new title. And I look forward to bumping into you again, and hopefully it's soon. Yes, uh, same, same here, Guy. Um, really appreciate this opportunity. I do want to get out on the golf course with you again because uh, the last time we were together down in Texas at Grand Pines, you had to bail out early, and I wanted to see you beat Nathan Crace uh, more than anything. And um, you did make your flight, right, that, <laughs> that day? Yes, I did. But speaking of Nathan Crace, I actually sent him a message yesterday saying that I was interviewing you and asking for question suggestions, and it's I'm glad you reminded me because Nathan wanted me to ask you what you were thinking when you tried to hit out from under a tree at Grand Pines. I believe I believe that was on video, wasn't it? Yeah, he's, at that point, he sent me the video too. I'll share it with the podcast. <laughs> yeah, I, I think at that point I was getting so beat down by my opponent that uh, I was trying anything. My game was not uh, very good that day, but... You know, I, I know you were, uh, you had mentioned, um, you know, before, is there anybody I'd like to roast? If there's anyone I would love to roast, it'd be Nathan. However, I know that the retaliation from him will be much funnier than I could ever come up with, so I'm going to I'm gonna pass on that. But, um, yeah, that video, I did not hurt myself, so that's the only good thing going with that shot. That, I think, ended up in the water. So, But it was a fun, fun shot to try, and golf is about having fun, right? Absolutely. I'll try it again next time. But I want to play with you again and have a much better round of golf and and, and finish out. So we'll have to uh, set that up sometime soon. Yeah, it was a blast that day at Grand Pines. Give me the the fun over the score every day. Let's face it, there may be only a couple hundred people that make serious money off of playing golf. So I'll take the fun factor every day. And we're lucky to have people like yourself and the other ASGCA members and the golf course superintendents and the golf course builders in the world that are out there providing fun places to play the game. Yep. Well, I thank you for that. And, um, and again, I really appreciate uh, the time today. This was fun.